Diablo 4 has arrived. As the forces of hell gather, only you can stand in their way. Journey across the expansive open world of Sanctuary. Choose from five powerful classes, then progress them to fit your playstyle. Adventure with your friends in up to four-player co-op with cross-play and cross-progression on all platforms. Welcome to hell. Diablo 4, available now. Rated M for Mature. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Then, yeah. So, yeah. okay. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, one of your hosts. And today I have an awesome guest. I'm so lucky she had time to do this. Um, Dr. Natalia Spearings. She's a... What, I consider to be one of the best dermatologists I've found on Instagram and uh, spoken to, but I'm going to let her tell you guys like her background and, you know, Dr. Spearing's like just who you are, what you do, you know. Okay. So you can obviously edit this if it's too long. Um, So my name is Natalia Spearing's um, and um, Dr. Spearing's is my dad. So whenever someone calls me Dr. Spearing's, I'm always like, who, where? But um, anyway, so uh, I always associate that. So I'm a dermatologist um, in, I live in London um, and I trained in England. So though I sound like I should be from your country, Ekta, um, (laughs) I did live in Boston. Yeah, I lived on the East Coast for 13 years when I was a child. So that's where- That explains it. Yeah, I- Explains it, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering when I first, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like when you first spoke to me, I was like, she sounds American. Why does she sound American? Exactly, she sounds American. So, and that I've lived in England for 20 years um, and I still sound very, very um, East Coast. So my parents still live in Boston. um, So I do go to the States a couple times a year. I have a green card. So I am kind of, I shouldn't say that, delete that. Um, (laughs) So I do do go to the States a couple times a year. And, uh, but I have lived here most of my life. I'm originally from Holland and that's where I lived when I was younger. And then after I left the States and went back to Holland but then I came to, <clears throat> sorry, I came to London for medical school and I just stayed. Cause you know, when you become a doctor in a country, it's easier to yeah. stay in that country. Yeah. It's, you were trained you, there, you know, you're trained there. And... Yeah. You train there. You just stay in the country. So it wasn't like a conscious choice. I just had gone to a kind of a British school in Holland mm-hmm. and they said to me, um, oh, why don't you apply to the UK? And I was like, okay. And I'd never been to London before I came for my first medical school interviews I just I really didn't know what I was doing yeah so it was all a bit um crazy but so sometimes I just make decisions without you know really having a load of thought behind them this is when I was younger I don't really do that now Um, I do I do yeah well I try not to but maybe in my personal life I do so anyway I basically moved to London for medical school and I just I've stayed here ever since then okay so I did all my medical training in London. Then I did all my, um, we spent a lot more years being interns here than you guys do. Yeah. Like four intern years before I became a resident. Okay. And then I did four, we do four years of residency for dermatology here. Um, and then after residency, I did, um, a post like, um, post residency, I guess. Like a fellowship? You went. I did a fellowship in micro, Mohs micrographic surgery, which is skin cancer surgery for the head and neck. Oh, wow. That's very impressive. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So, and so basically I did that and, um, sorry, it's like my throat. Um, so then after that, I basically started working as a consultant. So we call them, we call ourselves consultants. Yes. Please clarify that. Mm. Because I don't think most people understand that term, (laughs) you know, so. 
Yeah, this is confusing. So in the UK, we're consultants. That's the same as a board certified dermatologist oh, in the US. Okay. Yep. And what you guys would call an attending. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm an attending, which is the same as a consultant mm -hmm. and the same as a board certified um, dermatologist. So that's the term. So in England, anyone who's a board certified dermatologist will call themselves or refer to themselves as a consultant dermatologist. We will never refer to ourselves as cosmetic dermatologists, dermatology yeah. doctors, skin doctors. It's always going to be consultant because yeah. that is like the official title. That is your like distinction. Board. That really is your distinction. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. So anyway, there's my story. That, that's awesome. Like that's so important to understand too, because you're so, I mean, I, I you're, you know, it shows how, pro, you know, progressed you are in your field. So it's really good yeah. to have someone like you and get your real opinion about things because right now I think everyone's a dermatologist. <laughs> I see so many dermatologists <laughs> yeah. on Instagram and I'm like, everyone's a dermatologist because it's not a protected title. So yeah. that's why putting board certified in front of it or consultant is really important. Um, <clears throat> in terms of like what my day job is, like I'm not an Instagrammer. Like that's not my yeah. day job. Like just like you, this is, this is like an extra thing you do as like aside from your day job. So my day job is, very, very clinical. I do six clinical days a week. So I see patients almost every day. Wow, that's a, yeah, that's basically. intense. That's a really hard. It's intense. Yeah. And I've been working like that since I became a consultant, like 2016. So I'm a more than full-time clinical doctor. Wow. Um, so, and I do spend a lot of time reading and doing research and things like that. But a lot of what I talk about comes from actual physical clinical experience. So like yeah. last year I saw for 6,000 patients. Yeah. You know, that's insane. You, that's so that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. You're crazy. You You're know. crazy. I just want to take a second. Yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> but you know, as well as I know that in, in the realm of surgery or in medicine yeah. to be really um, kind of to be top of your game, it's about experience. Yes. And you know, the, the more experience you have, the more patients you get your hands on, on a daily basis when it's like, all the time that makes you awesome i'm not saying i'm awesome no but i'm trying to be awesome but yeah you're training it's a trade at the end of the day sometimes it, right it's like you know yeah so you have to get good at your trade so yeah you're absolutely right I, yeah i understand yeah it's that whole like ten thousand hours to be like awesome at something yes i remember I wrote that book i mean i think it's more than ten thousand hours but so yeah. when i so when i talk about like you know my clinical experience i'm not talking about like once a week i see a couple patients this is like massive every day yeah you're like every hammered single day. Yeah. yeah and I think people forget that when they look at my Instagram post or they you know criticize something I say or kind of question something I'm like you do realize that this comes from like a good couple years of seeing thousands of people with the yeah. same problem over and over again yeah. um and so I don't just make stuff up like it comes well, from somewhere so it's so amazing to see someone with your enthusiasm and passion for this because I don't think people understand that like this is like you know like I think science is like consuming you know I think I yeah, always totally. thought I always felt like people never understood how consuming it can be so like your schedule and you're going through it it's like you're just you're driven to do this you know what I mean so I love seeing that because a lot of the dermatologists that I was telling you about earlier like I don't see that with them you know what I mean? They're not out there and really using their knowledge. And so I, I just love that you're doing that. Um, oh. yeah. 
I like it too, yeah. but it is an obsession. It's like a proper, this is a proper obsession. I'm, I think you probably have that in your job too. I mean, it's a proper obsession. Um, and because you, you need to be a, like, there's no balance here. Like you need to be obsessed about something to, to really be able to understand it and be good at it. And I'm, again, I'm not saying that I'm awesome or whatever. I'm just, I'm trying to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that the only road to get me to awesome is by just putting the time in yeah. and putting the work in. And that's basically fully immersing yourself. I mean, you brought up the research and how you're always up to date with research. I think that is such a key. Personally, I think I don't know why people don't do that more. I mean, you know, especially doctors. So I love that you said that because it's like you don't you're always upping your training. And that's so important, I think. Right. So. Oh, my God. Totally. And it's part of our it's part of what we sign up for as doctors. We have to stay up to date. I mean, I don't what's interesting about this, though, is that like. I don't know about the latest like cosmetic skincare line that shows up, you know, yeah. in, in some shop somewhere. I, I, cause I, that is not the kind of research I'm talking about. I don't go to like, you know, CVS or Walgreens or whatever it is and look at the skincare every yeah. day. That's not what I do. Exactly. So I'm, I'm talking about actual like, real research, peer reviewed journal real, articles. Like. Yeah. Real journal articles. Cause that people are always like, Oh, have you not heard of, you know, skincare for NX? I'm like, uh, yeah, no, no, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm too busy actually learning something that's important. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, I mean, anyway. no, seriously, though. I mean, that's so good that you're saying, because here's the thing. The idea here, in my opinion, I think, is to bring the science back to skin skin health. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly. that's what bothers me the most is like, I, I just look at people and I and I wonder, like, why don't you want to know the science? You know, so. Yeah, or why don't you question what you've been told? Yeah, because if it sounds dodgy, it probably is. Yeah, and it's like also like you're, but here's my the, with the science. It's like you're utilizing something scientific. So why don't you want to give it the credit of being science yeah. and then look into it? And you know what I mean? That just it's so weird to me. So yeah, totally. Yeah, but anyway, so about okay, I'm gonna get to the question um, that we yes. got from our uh, one of our listeners and. I'm so excited to ask you this because I actually had heard you on one of your lives on Instagram briefly touch on this. So when she asked about ceramides, this brought me back to that point that you made, or you were, I think you were starting to hint that you had read something about ceramides and their um, just how they work and how, how they're produced in the skin. So her question really was just what are ceramides and how do they work? Can we, are we like affecting them at all like their production and, you know, just really wondering. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like a super complicated area of dermatology. That's not, or of kind of um, skin physiology. That's not very well understood at the moment anyway, but it's something that's been um, looked into by a very small little group of people purely almost completely from a financial perspective, because creating a new product that has ceramides in it, for example, um, is a multi-billion, literally billion dollar industry. So the, the knowledge we have about ceramides comes from this group of people, you know, whether or not that's good or bad, I'm not really going to judge that, but that's where it's come from. So, um, which immediately kind of, you think, okay, well, right. Um, let, let's look at that then. So, um, I have no doubt that the people who have done the research into ceramides are like truly, they they care yeah. about skin it's not just a financial motive because no do- i don't think any doctor is is 100 percent like that so yeah there's in, always some ethics involved like you know. yeah, yeah it comes from a good place of like we want to learn we want science and so on right. so um the basic idea here is that what ceramides are ceramides are a constituent of the lipid matrix that exists between the keratinocytes 
in the upper levels of the epidermis. So the top layer of the skin, you have your flattened keratinocytes, which are your flattened um, skin cells, which people call their, your dead skin cells, though they're not dead. Yeah. Um, and that the, the, the stratum corneum or the very top of your skin is 20 to 30 cells deep. So it's not super thick. And then in between those flattened cells is your lipid layer or your lipid matrix. And the combination of the two things, so you have the keratinocytes, the cells in this lipid layer that creates your skin barrier. Yeah. And that that is your skin barrier. Um, so as a very fundamental concept. That's amazing. That's what it is. No, that's amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just 20 to 30 layers thick. I didn't know that. Yeah, the cells, there's not, it's not thick. And of course, it depends a little bit where you are in your body. So like yeah. on your arms, um, your skin, your epidermis can be slightly thicker. On the face, or sorry, your stratum corneum is going to be slightly thicker. On your face, is going to be thinner. Mm. But that's kind of, if you think about the purpose of why it's there um, as a barrier, you're more likely to get something on your arm, for example, say, than on your face, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, this is just, I'm just making stuff up about you know, why we're evo- evolutionarily made to be a certain way. But so let's say it's 20, 20 30 um, of these pancake flat cells, and then they're sitting in this lipid layer. Okay. So you can kind of pick apart what's going on here. So the cells, the keratinocytes are their own little world. Mm-hmm. And then the lipid layer is its own little world. And they're interconnected, but we're going to look at them separately in the case of ceramides. Yeah. So this lipid layer is composed of cholesterol, ceramides, and fatty acids in a very specific ratio. So there's like 50% cholesterol, 15% fatty acids, and like 20% um, uh, or 25% ceramides, mm. roughly. Yeah. So ceramides are, uh, um, or sorry, ceramides are a 50% component. Sorry, did not, yeah. did not think about that. Um, so your, your lipid layer, which is the kind of fundamental aspect of this barrier, yeah. is composed primarily of, because it's 50%, ceramides, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, these ceramides are a type of fat, if you will, like a cholesterol, fatty acid type of fat right. with a specific structure. And there's lots of different types of ceramides. So there's like at least nine ceramide varieties have been identified wow. in the lipid. Yeah, so there's there's like loads. So there's lots of ceramides. And what research has found is that, for example, as you age, some of the components of the lipid layer become less. Like, for example, you get you have less cholesterol in your lipid layer as you get older, which potentially accounts for why you get drier skin as you get older. We're talking like 70, 80, like old, older. Yeah, like really aged. Yeah, Yeah, aged. Aged skin, because aged skin is completely different from young skin in so many ways that it's just incredible. Um, you know, giant then, topic on its own. <laughs> yeah, like, truly I mean, that is a giant topic. And, you know, I can say that, like, because what I find totally fascinating about my day job is that I do tons of skin surgery in my day job. Yeah. This is as a side, like tons and tons. And I cut into facial skin all day long, like all day. Oh, you do the fun like, stuff day. all day. <laughs> yeah, I get to do yeah, so I get to do that fun stuff. So yeah. when I, what always strikes me is so interesting is when I have a patient who's like 20 and I have to remove something from their face. Yeah. And then I have a patient who's 95. Yeah. Literally. literally like the elasticity, an hour. right? Is it the elasticity? Yeah. It? Yeah. Oh my God. It's not even, it's just, it's like every texture, the way yeah. the knife, this sounds really horrible. The way the blade goes through the skin, the drag on the blade mm-hmm. and the way that the sutures go through the skin. I mean, yeah. every single aspect of when you operate on a skin that's 95 versus 20, it's just like 
dealing with like I don't know a different species yeah like uh, yeah it, I know what you yeah mean. <laughs> it's, I, you probably have that because I mean when you like I don't know what kind of surgery you do but when you you know there's a huge difference between like a 15 year old yeah. and like a 95 it's everything all the whole physics of it changes it's it's everything yeah. everything yeah it's, it's just I have to use different sutures I have to use different you know closure techniques everything yeah. changes and it's like this is an example of you know, this is how skin changes as you age, which is just fascinating. But anyway, right. moving on. Um, so <laughs> yeah. with the ceramides, getting back, uh, I digress. With the ceramides, um, one thing also that's come to light is that in people with eczema, yeah. okay, they wait, wait, seem wait. to I have... want you to, I want you to tell oh. everybody, like, well, tell us what is eczema in your, if you were to define Oh, right, sorry. So eczema is, um, or dermatitis, which is also used interchangeably, is um, inflammation of the skin, due to disruption of the skin barrier, Mm -hmm. which leads to itchy, red, and sore, dry skin. Okay. That's basically the underlying kind of definition. And then you can get into all the different causes and all the other issues. But that's basically what eczema is. So it's dry, itchy skin. So dry skin on its own is not eczema. It becomes eczematous Mm -hmm. when it becomes inflamed, red, itchy. So when you start to scratch your dry skin and it starts to feel itchy and then you start to break it to pieces yeah. and then you see, you know, the, the flaking and the tears, that's when you start getting kind of... God, that's got to be terrifying to like go... T- like I'm just imagining yeah. this as you're describing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, bad man. eczema is kind of um, a massive life changer. So, but it's totally manageable and treatable. Yeah. So um, when I see kids, like um, I see teenagers, like in the supermarket, it sounds so random, but like there was a checkout kid at a supermarket a few weeks ago. He had the worst eczema of his face oh, on his face. And I, and I I was like, I went up to him. And I was like, you know what? I'm so sorry. I'm a, I'm a dermatologist. I can help you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what? I'm like, you have the worst eczema ever. Like you shouldn't even be working right now. You should be at home managing this. That's um, yeah. I see. I'm so glad you did that. Because parents yeah, don't he, know. He, I feel like the parents, they didn't know then. They must have not known, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. If they, I, I just don't know. They might, a lot of um, people don't think you can fix it. Because like, oh, it's just a skin yeah. problem. They don't have any. Okay. No. Yeah, I'm so glad anyway. that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm having that kid now. Um, so, but anyway. So with eczema, we know that, or we think that, there's a decrease in ceramides okay. in the lipid layer of people with eczema which may or may not be part of why they get it okay or have that problem so these research is ongoing into eczema because we don't fully understand why certain people get bad eczema especially children and why others do not so there's this idea that the ceramides within the um uh, epidermis are lacking within certain corneum which therefore means that the lipid layer doesn't form correctly which therefore leads to problems with skin barrier formation and function and then you have breakdown of the skin barrier yeah. which then allows water to leave the skin which then dehydrates the skin and then it allows you know gets irritants to go into the skin then you scratch and then you you know there you go yeah so, so that, that's uh, that's really like so ceramides really are integral to the structure of skin. I mean, correct, yes. absolutely. But they're only absolutely. one. It's only one factor that you know. It, that's one thing. It's there's multiple things. Exactly. So exactly, exactly. It's one of many components of the skin barrier that many of which we don't really understand. I, so, I think like, for me, like you know, just to kind of interject, I think it's so confusing it to me how skincare companies are marketing these individual components of what works in a very biochemically complex way. I've never understood where that comes from and why 
it's propagated because it's like anyone I feel like who's had even general chemistry, we all understand. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like chemistry is, you need everything working together. So how does that work? Like, in your opinion, like, what do you think is happening with these products that are like just ceramides? Like, here you go. Here's a bunch of ceramides or it's, you know, whatever. I don't know how they formulate it, but. Oh. oh, I have no idea how they formulate it either. Yeah. I, I don't think it's super complicated. Uh, I, I mean, it's, as in it's complicated, but it's not very scientifically complicated, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Because they, they just kind of make things up. Um, I, you know, um, like these are like buzzwords. And so they're yeah. like trendy, you know, like hyaluronic acid. Yeah. Oh my God, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but I mean, hyaluronic acid is the same. I mean, hyaluronic acid is, is part of your dermis. The idea that you can apply it topically and it would do anything at all to your skin is just lunacy. It's completely crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You know, and that's massively trendy. So ceramides are also part of this trendy thing. You know, I know skincare companies just want to make money. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, I, I associate a lot with like, like I relate it to like nutritional stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, these buds, you know, people write like, oh, um, I don't know, <laughs> has uh, antioxidants in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Like those little like, it's almost like an opinion piece, like people write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and, but it's used to, it's just a marketing tool and it's used to sell stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't, I just, just like with food, um, you know, everyone writes preservative free on all their foods because then people buy it more. Well, I mean, I think um, that's so important though, right? Because I, it's cool that you're actually looking at the skincare industry as really just an industry. That's so important. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. yeah. And I try to kind of get that message across in my Instagram and stuff, which gets me in loads of trouble because basically what I'm saying is that it's all just marketing BS yeah, it's all marketing. and um, it's all marketing and all these products are just marketing crap. Um, and that gets me in, in, in loads of trouble because a lot of people make their living off of this. Yes. You know, they make money. I've you heard know? that too. Yeah. I've heard that people yeah, are making it, a lot it, of money. <laughs> people make a lot of money by, um, you know, being on YouTube and being like, let me review this cleanser. I'm going to tell you yeah. why this cleanser is better than this cleanser. You know, people make a living off of this. And what I'm saying is that who gives a crap? Just use any cleanser because they're all bloody the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what it's so important because, uh, yeah, and people are making a lot of money too. These are, there's the new term skinfluencer. You know what I mean? I, oh, I've heard, I've seen yeah. that everywhere, skinfluencer. I don't understand yeah, what are, that is. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, and so it was funny because someone actually made a comment on my Instagram saying, you know, you're a doctor, you're not an influencer. I'm like, correct. Right. As if that was an insult. You're getting the better the better option here yeah i'm like i don't i don't want to be you are being benefited in this situation yeah it's so like what that's a crazy crazy observation i was like thanks for the compliment um oh my god uh, but no so i mean that's the thing is the minute i say something like that like for example i've recently gotten um in trouble on instagram for saying that all moisturizer brands are the same yeah again and oh my god the backlash (laughs) was huge and i was just like well i mean someone tell me how they're not the same yeah you know, it's the so, experience though dr spearings <laughs> natalia i'm yeah. sorry natalia I don't want you to <laughs> that. Um, no but like seriously it's the it's the experience that's what's that's the buzzword i mean i use the buzzword i use that word you know what i mean like people are literally saying it's the experience of rubbing this on my face that makes me feel like i've done something you know yeah and that's fine and i don't mind yeah. but then don't pretend that you're um 80 dollar moisturizer that's giving you that experience is any better than the one that costs two dollars yeah because it's not because the the product itself is no different i just think it's so i think you okay honestly i think you're getting a lot of backlash and i think i've been trying to do it too because i really believe you about the vaseline thing i think when you say vaseline to people they don't like that it's like two dollars 
I really, that's like my personal theory. <laughs> yeah, no one likes it that it's $2 because yeah. it's like, yes, but I've spent hundreds of dollars on my skincare. You can't tell me that this is going to be just as good. Yeah. I'm like, well, actually it is because your, your $200 moisturizer <laughs> is basically made of Vaseline. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But no, like getting back to the so ceramides, like, okay. So basically ceramides are, they're there. They're a huge part of our skin um, yes. and there's a lot of them. So yeah. Continue. What you think is yes. So, so right. So the then the idea came that okay. So if we have people with bad eczema Mm -hmm. and they have a ceramide deficiency, can we put ceramides onto their skin, right, and therefore correct that and help their eczema get better more quickly without the use of, for example, steroids, Right, right? So can we correct the underlying? pathophysiological problem one of which is a lack of this specific ceramide right. okay which is a very noble concept yeah and I, yes great we're going to look for um causation and we're going to look for treating the actual underlying problem and not the symptom because that's what we do with steroids often yeah we do with symptoms so i that's very noble and i think it's great however that concept has been taken away from that very niche area and now planted into cosmetic skincare in general. And the message now is everyone needs to use ceramides because ceramides are good for your skin. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a problem because that's not true. Yeah. Okay. So if you have normal skin and that means you don't have eczematous or eczema Mm. using a, a ceramide based moisturizer is probably or it potentially is not harmful, but it's definitely not going to be anything different than a normal moisturizer. Yeah, yeah. So in the sense that can it be harmful? Yes, it can. Because now we have further studies showing that if you then put the wrong ratio of ceramides on a skin with another problem, yeah. okay, yeah. then you're going to shut off your own body's production of their own, its own natural ceramides, or you're going to kind of disorganize it, if that makes yeah. sense, because you, yeah, yeah, because your body makes ceramides in order to, um, you know, make this lipid layer, so, and obviously these eczema patients have a problem where they don't make a certain ceramide, which is part of the problem. So if you have a natural, your, your skin is, if you have normal skin and your skin is functioning very well and it's doing what it needs to do, potentially if you load on, say, ceramide number three in your moisturizer, you are then causing, your, you're putting a lot of ceramide three on, which means that your skin's not going to form its lipid layer properly because you're going to have an unbalanced yeah. ceramide ratio. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. Negative feedback, yeah. 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 Exactly. Negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you, you may cause more problems. Now that's not been hundred percent validated in the literature because no one's really started. No one's really properly. Well, it's a budding into- field. I think, I feel like yeah. most of derma, like the dermatology papers I usually find, I, f- I feel like that. Do you feel like that about your profession, like your sector? Like it's just a budding field because yeah, totally. there's like really yeah. no, I, I've never found like really concrete stuff. That's like, you know, like no and yeah. yeah exactly and all the all the sample sizes are always really small yeah <laughs> yeah yeah everything's always like a really small study but the and they all come from like very specific centers in like korea right or, like, there's a lot of stuff coming out of like um korea that koreans for, for instance um korea but the um the thing is cor- the 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 study of the uh, the corneocyte so um that's a field like corneobiology yeah. that's 
basically only been accepted as kind of its own area since like around 2010. Yeah. That's, so yeah. that, and you know, we're in medicine is like 10 to 20 years behind, you know, yeah. what happens in real life and research. So this is all a very new area, but of course the skincare industry has kind of pounced on this word ceramides and it's like, okay, yeah, let's pump this into everything. Cause you can even buy, I think from I don't know, Clarins or something, they sell a little tub of capsules mm. And if the capsule is just, a, apparently it's pure ceramide. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I saw, I saw that and what? I was like, oh, right. That loads of sense. I'm pretty, I don't want to slag off one company, but I think it was Clarence who did that. Um, and they had, so a lot of companies sell these like ceramide capsules. Yeah. And, you know, ceramides. And just coming off of this idea um, to be, that. Okay. So there was a cream made by these people who did this research in eczema. Yeah. Um, and the cream is called Epicarum or Epicerum, like Epi, E-P-I, yeah. and then C-A-M. Yeah, and it, it was licensed by the FDA as a medical device, right? Oh, wow. So it's only available on prescription. Now, I think 100 mils of it, like a very small, like three and a half ounces of it is like $250. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really expensive. It's on prescription only. Pretty much, it's unattainable. So, <laughs> like, it's, it's really unattainable, Yeah. yeah. And they did some, in order to get FDA approval, they did a number of studies to show that when children with eczema used um, Epicarum or whatever versus placebo, they had an improvement of their eczema without needing to use steroids. Now, we do know that eczema will generally improve if you use a moisturizer just across the board. Um, And I don't, I can't recall what the placebo was, whether it was nothing. I think it was nothing because you can't, you can't use another moisturizer because that wouldn't make much sense. Um, in terms of an FDA approval study. So, but basically, so that was how it got licensed. Now, this cream is super expensive. And then a company like um, like CeraVe yeah. then decided to make a similar cream, which is what CeraVe is, hence the name, you know, Sarah. Sarah oh, Sarah yeah, like. yeah. I just put that yeah, together. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so their entire, yeah, no, there you go. Their entire range of cream is based on the concept of this physiological kind of molar ratio of ceramides yeah. to cholesterol to fatty acids. And therefore Cer- CeraVe yeah. is like the, this product that is a competitor for this very expensive prescription product. Now Epicarum is um, patented. I think that, that um, exact, like, you know, uh, yeah, like the exact name, the exact, yeah. The, the, the composition of it, like the ingredients. Oh, the formula is, you mean. Okay. Okay. The formula. Okay. Sorry, that's what I meant. The formula is patented. So CeraVe couldn't copy the same formula, um, but they did something similar, whatever, uh, ceramides, something or other in there. And so that's the idea. Now, what's interesting is that, of course, when this started to happen, um, dermatologists in the United States were like, why are we going to prescribe this super expensive cream when probably using, you know, a Vaseline type cream yeah. that we already use super cheap, that will probably do the same. So two people did studies and they did very interesting studies where they, um, looked at the treatment of eczema and compared outcomes of Epicarum versus like a standard moisturizer. Interesting. And I think also vehicle control, though, again, it's hard to vehicle control this. And both studies were pretty decently done and found that there was no difference in outcome. Wow. So, and I presented those papers at, I was, I was, I was asked to do a talk a few years ago for a bunch of um, primary care doctors about eczema and it was paid for by the company that owns CeraVe. Oh, wow. Which is La Roche, uh, sorry, which is L'Oreal. 
<laughs> and I did this talk and I had asked them in advance. I was like, can I say anything I want? And they're like, yeah, yeah, this was like 2017. And I was like, all right, then no one checked my, my presentation in advance. And um, I basically said, okay, this is how Sarah Minds are meant to work. Yeah. And everyone, oh, interesting, interesting. Well, you and then just I was like, talked I- everybody out of buying their product, Natalia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, but actually, because they all got like Sarah V goodie bags at the end, you know, and samples of yeah, yeah. And at the end, I was like, actually, there's been two studies to show that makes no difference. So you can probably just prescribe what you're still prescribing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and needless to say, they've never invited me back. <laughs> well, I think you made your mark, though. You made your mark. Yeah, yeah but I don't do um, drug company sponsored uh, talks anymore. So I stopped doing them about two years ago. Um, so I will not speak for industry ever. Basically. I love that. Uh, I love that. Yeah, but I think, and for skincare um, companies, L'Oreal's not a pharmaceutical company, but I will not uh, speak for any, or be paid by um, any drug companies. So I will always be paying for my own trips to conferences. Oh my God, you are <laughs> such a breath of fresh air in the medical oh, field, that, dude. Like, you don't even understand. I am surrounded by idiots. Every- oh my. There's a school in Northern Virginia that's making college better. They offer over 100 certificate and degree programs. They make tuition affordable and manageable through smaller payments over time. They make online learning accessible and enjoyable. And across six campuses, you can learn great careers like nursing, cybersecurity, skilled trades, and more. Northern Virginia Community College. It's the affordable, achievable, flexible, doable, possible, incredible college. Nova. We make college better. Apply now at boldlynova.com. And the amount of samples they give us, I mean, because you can have like drug samples is one thing, like to give you actual drug samples. Here, they don't really do that. But the amount of skincare samples, like, I mean, we have literally closets full of it in hospital, closets full of CeraVe and Bioderma and La Roche-Posay and Andelios and QV and every SunSense and every brand, we just closets full of it. And I I have stopped about, again, about two or three years ago, I stopped giving patient samples because I was like, you know what? I don't want to, it's not my job to sell these products. Yeah, it's not. And you can't put your name behind something at all. Like it, like today, Um, like doctors are, they get blamed for everything. So like, you can't put your name on something that it's in even hinting that you're, you know what I mean? Promoting something because then we get the brunt of it basically. Yeah, no, trouble. we have to deal with all that. Yeah. And in, in England, um, you know, it's it's also a problem here. And I, what I can't stand is when doctors promote um, brands on social media, it really pisses me off. Because yeah. um, yeah. so, I'm like, it's one thing for a skin influencer or like a beauty journalist mm-hmm. or a facialist to promote a brand because they make money off that. That's fine. As doctors, we don't, this is not how we make money. We make money by seeing patients and doing our jobs. Yes, I agree. I don't make money selling skincare no like I'm, honestly no you're you're so 100 on that and i you know what I, I'm, I did i was doing that and i was like you know what this is time for me to, it's because of you when i talked to you i was like what is yeah like this is garbage man like what am i you know what i mean like it made me yeah, really no, you- think about skincare to be honest like i'm not even like like i feel like as a, as a scientist or you know in from a science perspective i never put in that much thought about like dude this is actual dermatology that they're like molesting and like you know what i mean like it's really bad <laughs> it's really bad so yeah it's really really so, bad so yeah so ceramides yeah. um so the i guess the point of it is i guess the question that your listener had asked is should she or he even be bothered to buy a ceramide yeah. based product that's basically the question yeah that's the question yes yeah and I would say, if you like it, go for it. But you don't don't worry about whether or not your cream has ceramide in it or not, because it really doesn't matter. Yeah, 
So, and I would probably say, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't, to be honest, I think it, the risk of it being having a negative impact on skin is so low because most people don't have, most, the majority of people have normal skin. Yeah. So um, I would say the risk of it having a negative impact is so low, you know, it doesn't really matter if you like the CeraVe or sorry, ceramide based, you know, moisturizer or whatever, just go for it. But it's not magic yeah. in any way. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you gave a simple answer to that, because I think that it's it's just everywhere. And I love that she had asked this question. And this was our first question because it's so huge. <laughs> I mean, and I it's a huge topic. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge topic. And I like I, I think you covered it so nicely. And I, I I have no idea. You know, I get a lot of questions. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, on Instagram and I really don't know, like how to answer them and I can't imagine like you, I, I'm sure you get like tons you know what I mean like just what do yeah. you tell people at one point so yeah hopefully this answers that person's question um but really my other I didn't really have any other questions I mean that was my main thing like with for me too because ceramides to me I think are so interesting in terms of their signaling and what I've read so yeah I mean I Write a post. I've been avoiding writing a post about ceramides because it is very confusing. Yeah. Um, and you know, you have a limited amount of characters to, to write something, you know, useful. So it's something that I've kind of actively stayed away from writing about. But I, I think I'll have to know. So <laughs> if you to. were, if you were like to, okay, I this is such a hard question to ask after everything you told us. But if you were to recommend anything for anything to do, like as a routine for your skin, like what do you think? everyone should do just for normal skin health is there anything I mean you don't if there's nothing then that's fine too but you know I mean this sounds really crazy but I think if you have normal skin um and there's nothing wrong with your skin and you're quite happy with it yeah. then doing nothing is fine okay yeah um, like don't touch it <laughs> it's good don't yeah touch don't it. touch it you know if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah. so yeah. you know if I mean, I have, I have like my, one of my best friends, um, she has like totally beautiful skin and she's her mother. She always used, she always tells me that her and her mother have only ever used Nivea soft as a moisturizer forever. Oh, wow. Like she's, she's 35 and she's never used a serum, an acid, a retinoid or anything. Um, and she just, she's like, why I just use Nivea soft, Yeah, like literally Nivea in the white. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool. That's like, it reminds me of like the cold cream. Like Pond's cold yeah, cream. Yeah, it's, it's it's like cold cream because and then um so this is my friend Sobe. She's a she's an A and E consultant. She's an A and E um board, what board certified um, emergency room doctor, yeah. and she's just like she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand my job at all. She doesn't understand dermatology. She's like I don't. Why do people bother with just I just use like Nivea. Yeah, <laughs> and it's you know there's loads of people like her. Yeah, it's you know? like almost a ritual. I feel like um you know it used to be right kind of ritualistic. Like your mom did it, your grandmother like you do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like at night, you see your mom putting on her Nivea moisturizer from the blue container right. or whatever. My mom used you know, then, cold cream, so like, yeah, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a tube of that. So, but like, or a, a bottle of a thing of it. But yeah, but you, you see your mom like applying stuff when you're young, and it's kind of you. The smell of it's quite classical, like the, right. you know the Nivea smell. Like memories. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's memories, and it brings back like memories of like your your mom putting on her face cream. You know, so that it's and the thing is. Um, and that's pretty much like 40 years ago, or maybe 40 years ago isn't long enough, but we didn't have actives, yeah. you know, there were no 
serums. There's no 10 step Korean skincare. There were no sheet masks and eye creams and, right. you know, whatever. Maybe not 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago. And like women looked good. Yeah. They age very gracefully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I before agree. Botox and before filler, like, and then on the flip side of it, like, I don't know what you watch on TV, but I watch a lot of um, The Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've, I've done like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like a Real Housewives watcher now, yeah. especially since like lockdown when I had like not a lot else going on. So yeah. um, it's incredible to see their skin. So these women, um, so many, some, some of them have lovely skin, but a good number of them have um, major skin problems. Oh, wow. And it's like, and because I, I, this is what I watch when I watch TV. Wait, like, what do you oh, mean by skin? major skin problems? Like actual, like, like, like bad pigmentation, oh, um, oh. bad uh, kind of cr- cr- roughness of the skin. One of them, well, housewives, this is from like 2017. She has really bad pigmentation. And because you see her without makeup on, I'm like, wowzers, wow. we can so fix that. So even now with, um, you know, these women are super wealthy. They have access to everything. They still don't get it right. You know? Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, money can't fix everything. <laughs> you know, yeah, so you it's could, still. You know, it's it's, it's like true. yeah, the science isn't there, so it's not there. We can't, you know, just do whatever. So yeah, so it's it's such interesting actually. Yeah, anyway, no, it is, it is, and I'm I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was um asking my co-host Farheen in the last podcast about this show. I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix. I think you guys have a different Netflix than us, but like. It's like a show by Nurse Jamie, who was like a oh skin decision. Yes, and that um yeah. plastic surgeon. And I was wondering, what do you surgeon. think about that one? What do you do? You like it? So, I haven't. You know what? I haven't watched it. I can't bring myself to watch it. You need to watch it and let me know what you think because I I love it. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love it. I think it's so good because they've got oh the plastic surgery side. You know what I mean? So I'm just curious what you're gonna think. <laughs> I like the pl- the plastic surgery has not a problem, but I'm worried about seeing what the nurse Jamie gets up to in terms of yeah skincare. the cringing with the- I, <laughs> yeah. all her lasers. <laughs> um, is that she, is she a laser nurse? Yeah, is that what she does? Oh, okay. I know she has a skincare line, which already put Yeah, me she off. has a skincare line, and she has those tools. Like she blew up because she has those like derma rollers and like those little. It's basically a derma roller, but she just keeps making tools for skincare to like. I don't know. I guess. I think the claim was the whole lymphatic drainage thing. That's what I understood from that. Oh, my God. You know, yes, I did live on myself yesterday. I did one with Caroline uh, LeBoucher on Saturday. And um, I both times I had to talk about manual lymphatic drainage. What did you? Well, can you let? Okay, let's. Can you do like a recap, a brief recap of that? Because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I get the question we, I got was, um, is it a real thing? Yeah. <laughs> is it though? I'm curious. I'm really curious. It is. It is in medicine. So manual, like, okay, so where this comes from is, um, so I trained at St. George's Hospital in London, which is a lymphedema center, okay? So lymphedema is swelling um, or excess lymph fluid in the tissue due to whatever underlying cause, whether it's a genetic problem with your lymphatics or you are, are morbidly obese and you have problems with your lymphatic drainage or you've had like surgery where you've had your lymph nodes removed, for example, from breast cancer surgery and so on. Right. So then you get lymphatic problems, right? Yeah. And lymph, as you know, but I'll just explain it. Lymph is, it, lymph is the fluid that's released into the tissue from blood flow. So it's all the waste products. Yeah. And that fluid gathers in your subcutaneous tissue and then it goes or in your tissues and it goes back up into your blood circulation and your lymph vessels 
are the, the transport mechanism for that fluid mm-hmm. for the lymph, right? Yeah. So as you know, and there are a whole network of them all over your body and they're connected in some way to your vascular system, I think. Yeah. Not connected. It's, it's a drainage par- into the vascular system. Like it's Yes. Yeah. Yes. There you go. So um lymphedema is like um, edema swelling due to lymphatic over having too much lymphatic fluid um, for whatever underlying reason. And St. George's is one of the lymphedema centers um, in the country. And because Prof Mortimer um, is uh, Peter Mortimer is like the consultant dermatologist who's awesome. And he's one of the the founding fathers of the treatment of lymphedema. And he is now retired, but he set up a center and I I trained with him. And so I know a lot about lymphedema. So it's like, it's really at the center of it than this research that I like. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's one of the, you know, leading specialists of lymphedema Mm. research in the country, in the world or whatever. So I know a lot about lymphedema Yeah, and I saw (laughs) the patients, yeah, with really severe lymphedema. Um, and basically what manual lymphatic drainage is, is literally is what it says it is. So it's manually kind of forcing the fluid into the cyst vascular system. So it goes back, it leaves the tissue and it can be done through strenuous massage. It can be done through bandaging. It can be done through stationary cycling. It's in your legs. Um, so all of this stuff is manual lymphatic drainage. So forcing the lymph fluid out of the tissue and back into the circulation. Yeah. That's what it is. There's conditions like something, there's a weird condition, weird or an unusual condition called Morbihan syndrome, where you get problems with your lymphatics in your face, wow. right? And you can get damaged lymphatics in the skin, in the facial skin due to severe rosacea, for example. So there's very unusual conditions like that. Yeah. And you know, we, we've seen, I've seen because I worked in a center that, you know, was, I was very fortunate. Yeah, to you have really got there. to see the real cases. Yeah, got to see all this weird stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that is, we had a whole team of nurse specialists who were specialists, the lymphedema nurses, mm. and their job was manual lymphatic drainage, right? Wow, really? Actually, yeah, to like help people, you know, what? live, be able to talk. Yeah, I mean, because if you, if I showed you some pictures of stuff, you'd be obviously horrified, like, you can get um, over too much lymph fluid in your legs and you can't walk yeah. because you're huge. Yep. Uh, Just like breast cancer women with the arms, it's very, very swollen. Yeah, arms. they get it. Breast cancer, like they, those patients really get it like bad. So it's, it's like, I can't imagine on the face. I'm sitting here imagining all this on the face and I'm like, oh my it's God, really your skin must be so stretched. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty so, bad. Okay, so, so does it, do they work then? Because I know like, no, okay. So, the, so yeah, so the, the, the reason I explained that was just to explain that manual lymphatic drainage is a thing, but not for a beautician. Yeah. Like, this is a medical thing. Yeah. Like, it's not like a, a thing you go to a spa for. And so all this nonsense where you use, like, jade rollers, all that crap on someone's face yeah. to, like, you know, oh, this is for your, it's manual lymphatic drainage. For the, No one has, you don't have collections of lymph fluid in your face. Yeah. And I think that's it, important. Please elaborate on that because that's so... <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you, people, you don't you don't get swelling in your face unless there's something wrong with you. Well, you know, you know the women that always say like, "Well, my under my chin, I'm like, I'm just swollen in this area." You know what I mean? So like, that's facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, it's not this, lymph- right now. this is great. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's not. Why would it be if if you have lymph collection or edema of your 
chin. I'd be like, wow, there's something wrong with right. you. Like, we need to see what's going on. <laughs> you know, there's a medical concern yeah. here. And like, same with people like bags in the eyes. And like, that's also generally not fluid unless you are retaining a lot of fluid because you've eaten like a super high salt diet that that can happen it's really unusual but that can happen if you overdose on salt the next day you'll wake up and you might feel like your under eyes are a bit puffy but that lasts for like 12 hours and it goes it's like your, yeah. your lymphatic drainage will kick in and we'll do but it that's on normal. Its own. It's physiological and like that's physiological because you've overdosed on salt your kidneys haven't had time to deal with it so you're not you're you know you're basically retaining more fluid like if you feel bloated or kind of puffy after you've eaten a really high salt meal like around your tummy or whatever right. that's that's just that's physiological but so that, that is an aside but generally speaking like a normal face like you don't go to a spa to get a <laughs> please drain my face my <laughs> please drain my face if, this, if that's happening then you need to see a doctor like pronto okay so, so okay so jade rollers and all that okay it's all crap oh, then it's crap. like it's crap right <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, okay. total crap. Like, come on, guys. See, like, I feel like I feel good. like honestly, I love how much you know, but I it's like it makes me question like why do we even still have skincare? <laughs> like, I, I, know. I know, but it's like the jade roller thing. I think is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just like people. People are buying. They're paying money for like a piece of stone on a, like a little wheelie thing. Well, you know, they're like, claiming the stone does something too. Let's be, yes, you know, okay. like, that's the craziest part. The stone, like, it's conduction or something. I don't know. Something like that. That sounds highly evidence-based. It's just, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, like, just. <laughs> I mean, that's Wait, what I, you know, I read that in passing somewhere. So God knows what the story is at this point. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm glad that, okay, so jade rollers do nothing. You can use Vaseline, everything, you know, Vaseline's all you need. Um, exactly. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else like any skincare well I don't even want to say that no not skincare any skin health thing or con- I don't know anything that you want would want to tell think- somebody that just came in yeah I mean I would say that um looking after your general health is very important um I guess but I think more specifically the number one thing that all of us can do to keep our skin looking good as we get older is just staying out of the sun yes I mean, I know this is like the beating a dead horse saying this, but it's like, and I'm not saying wear sunscreen every day. Yeah. I'm saying actively avoid sun exposure, So, which is not the same. So how do you, what do you, what do you do? Like, I'm just going to honestly, like, how do you actively avoid like avoid. the wrong amount of sun exposure? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I live in a country that doesn't have much sunshine. So for me, that's relatively straightforward. I, I'm not. OCD about this like it's mildly sunny today it's about 18 degrees celsius yeah. um I went to the gym this morning I walked back I did not wear a hat it's partially cloudy it's maybe a little bit sunny I wore sunglasses didn't wear sunscreen walked for maybe 30 minutes outside um I didn't freak out I'm good I don't mind yeah what I what I mean is more like um if you go on holiday if you go on vacation right. and you're gonna be on a cruise ship right. you know that's where wide brimmed hat big sunglasses you know get that don't let your face sit outside in the sun and like, like roast. That is, yeah don't roast i mean i would tell your whole body tell you not to roast your whole body but people are going to get a tan or want a tan or whatever yeah. but i i would say for and we're going to talk about if we're talking about facial skin aesthetics only so we're not talking about skin cancer this is a whole new topic yeah. we're just talking about keeping your skin looking good right um and this this is for people of all races and all skin types 
actively avoiding sun exposure on your face, neck, and perhaps your hands is the best way to keep your skin looking good as you get older. So wear long sleeves then as much as you can. Or gloves. No, um, (laughs) no, (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, with the body, like, yes, I would still say if we're going to talk aesthetics only, then yeah, keeping your arm skin covered will keep your arm skin looking good. Because I have a lot of women who come to me in their 50s and even their 40s and say, you know, can you fix the pigmentation on my arms? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, not really. Um, You know, just try not to let it get any worse now uh, by not actively exposing yourself to the sun. It's easy to say you live in, don't you live in Florida? No, I moved. I was in Florida. I'm in Europe now, but yeah, like Florida, everyone's always outside, like literally every, all day people are just outside in Florida. So yeah. And like, I don't live in a climate like that. So, I mean, I do go to Dubai every month. Well, I did. So I do, but even in Dubai, I don't go outside, which I know sounds crazy, but, um, so I don't live in a climate where I'm outside all the time. Um, so it's hard, it's easy for me to say actively avoid the sun because I don't live in this problem. Yeah. Uh, but I guess if you live in somewhere like Florida and you want to be outside, you know, that this is where the, the wide brim hats, the special hats that also cover your ears and your neck, you know, those stupid looking hats. Oh, wow. Like I forgot all about those. You had to bring that back. Yeah. No, the, the <laughs> mullet hats. Oh, those are so <laughs> awkward, but unnecessary, <laughs> guess, you know. But like, cause like, um, like my friend Caroline in Dubai, she swims every day outside now as part of her exercise. Yeah. So she's like wearing like a mullet hat oh, to cover her back of her neck and everything. Cause it's like, well, um, you know, that's how people get, um, skin cancers in the back of their neck. Yeah. They get them on their ears. You know, the, you, you have to well, kind of skin, just... right? So it's like everywhere, anywhere you have skin. Yeah. You, you have the risk. Yeah. So hair is very protective hair is protective well that's okay so you know i feel like this is for another day but i'm okay so there's a whole hair care thing you know that I have questions oh about. yeah hair is a whole new subject yeah and that, so i, I will i will go down that road with you but like no okay so basically stay out of the sun as much as you know you need to don't, just don't be excessive is what you're saying yeah, yeah and then if you're gonna wear sunscreen well like i write on instagram all the time like sunscreen is not enough like yeah. you can't just slap on sunscreen and then put your face outside. Like doesn't sunscreen, we know that sunscreen does not protect people from, from, from photo damage. It's just not good enough. No matter, yes, you should. no matter what the SPF, no, none of that matters. No, to, because people don't apply it correctly. So unless you put it on correctly, which is 2.5 mil, which is half a teaspoon on your whole face, yeah. which is a crap load of sunscreen. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. You're, you're generally going to rub it off, wipe it off. It's just, you cannot rely on it. It should be your third your third line. So your first line is active avoidance. Your second line is covering up like big hats, sunglasses, da, da, da. and your third line is going to be your SPF 50. Wow. It's because people look at it the other way around. Yeah. So they it's say, like skin. If I have the, if I have the, you know, sunscreen on, I'm good. Everything's good. I can be out in the sun, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the opposite. So I'm, I always try to say, you know, sunscreen is not enough. And then I get a lot of people saying, yeah, but what do you mean? I shouldn't wear sunscreen. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's not, it shouldn't be your first step. Your first step is how am I going to avoid this? Right. And how am I going to stay out of the sun? And how am I going to wear my hats? And is it going to look cool with my outfit? Right. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm so glad that no, but like, I didn't know that at all. And I think most of us don't because we, we're always told that, you know, even as a kid, you always put on sunscreen, you know, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that it's not protective. So I, I mean, is it? Well, I mean, it is protective uh, to a point. Yeah, yeah. To it's, a point. I should have, yeah, I should have worded that better. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought it was truly something that, um, you know, it was, it was just more defense, I guess, than I. 
And, but not to sound really cynical, but why is it that we think sunscreen is so amazing? I think for me, okay, I think it's because you get that layer on top of your skin. And I think there's some conditioning there with me where it's like, if I've got a layer of something on me, then I'm, I'm safe. It's like hiding under the blanket mentality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, I think, but I think that the, the, the underlying issue is that the skincare industry makes us believe it is. Yes. Yes. Because sunscreen is a huge market. It's a huge market. Yeah. And, and huge. all of this is a huge market. It's a multi-billion dollar market. I'd love to see some yeah. of that going to, you know, actual doctors and research, you know, that'd be great. Yeah, so for me, but for me to go around saying sunscreen is your third line, that that d- puts a dent into the uh, profit margin of the sunscreen industry. Yeah. It's like, oh, hold on a second. You know, um, no, no, no. Everyone has to wear sunscreen every day and reapply it every two to three hours forever. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a huge, a- that's a huge amount. It's like a full bottle. I think like, like you had brought this up when we did our live too. Like it's a giant amount. <laughs> it's a giant amount. And it's great for a company selling sunscreen. Yeah, you're right. It's that you have to use more of this, buy more of it. And here it's only $25 a bottle. So, wow. but you have to have it because otherwise you'll get old and get skin cancer. You know, there's a lot of the fear mongering with it. And actually, you know, what the, they should be saying is, listen, get your hat, avoid exposure, da, da, da. And then put the sunscreen on, you know, also. Right. But like educating almost in a way, like educating. But of course that takes away from their bottom line. I mean, I'm very cynical about this, but I, I, you know, business is business. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important to know this though, you know, and like, it really is because yeah, I'm not going to lie. I think all of us are sold on sunscreen. That's a. It's like a solid cell. It's been like that for, you know, decades now. So, yeah, yeah. totally. It's a solid. Well, thank you so much, Natalia, for for doing this. You're (laughs) amazing. And I always have so many questions for you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Thank you for having me. This was amazing and so informative. But um, if you have time, I would love to have you on again. That would be amazing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. The listeners I know are going to love you. So thank you so much. And I will talk to you next time. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, Exa.